And one of the best things, advice that I got from one of my professors was, in your early in your career, never say no. Always say yes. Always say yes to go clean the toilet. Always go say yes that you're going to go to this event. Always say yes. Because the more present you are, the more face-to-face you have, the more you're seeing, the more the kind of the upper leadership sees you, right? It goes a long ways for you. Yeah. yeah, you know, one thing that with the, a lot of the time management people, they talk about saying no. You gotta, you gotta be able to say no. I think that's correct, but I think in the early parts of your career, right, right when you get to that tipping point, you have to be able to say yes. But once you get to that point, I mean, if you're taking on and you're starting to mentor people, leading people, mm-hmm. yes, you have to learn how to say no. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the CM Mentors Podcast. My name is Matt Graves, and my co-host each week is Kyle Grandel. This week's guest is Marty Schmidt, and we'll be talking all about taking control of your career growth and creating your, your own opportunities. If uh, Just a reminder to anybody in the audience, uh, feel free to ask questions in the chat box, or uh, hopefully maybe this week we'll get a call-in guest. So hit the call-in, and we'll have more of a Q&A at the end. But as we're going, feel free to uh, chime in with any of your questions. What's going on, Marty? Not much. How are you doing? Good, good, man. Good. Nice to meet you, Marty. Yes, nice meeting you too. Appreciate it, Kyle. Thank you, Matt, for having me on. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for carving out some time and joining us. This will be fun. Yeah. So before we get started, um, we're, we're recording this the Monday after the Super Bowl. You're from the Philly area. How are you doing? Yep. I'm all right. Um, it was definitely a disappointing loss, um, especially because the Phillies lost earlier last year, <laughs> late last year. The Eagles lost, so we're getting to the championship. We're just not winning the championship, so it was tough. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. That's right, you know, whatever <laughs> it is. That's what Man, it is. that kick return really hurt you guys. I'm just, I am just got to say, that that hurt. Yes, it did. It, it definitely did. And then Hurts <laughs> uh, fumbling the ball and then returning it, that that didn't help either. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, was a, that was a tough one. Yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> I guess. Anyway, back on script. Uh, yeah. Marty, you want to give us a little bit of a background for yourself for the people who don't know you? Sure. Um, Marty Schmidt, uh, currently the president of AGCN. Uh, some of my background, uh, I started in the construction industry um, right out of college. I went to school in Boston, and I started on the, uh, the Big Dig project, one of the larger civil projects in the U.S. at the time, and um, spent a lot of time around the civil side. So a lot of concrete, heavy concrete, heavy civil. Um, from there, I transferred to uh, New York, and I worked on um, a few subway stations, uh, underground uh, T stations and subway stations. Then I was fortunate to be able to transfer to um, Ingleside, which is right outside of Corpus Christi, Texas. And uh, I moved down here in 2002, and what I did there was uh, coming from the Kiwit, they kind of had a Kiwit way, and being able to try to instill uh, some of the Kiwit ways into a, a new market. And it was Kiwit Offshore Services, which was an offshore services um, company, which we built a lot of um, offshore rigs, but we built them on site and then just shipped them off site. Um, so we were more of the fabricator. Um, and then there, I left there and came on with AGCM in 2008. And um, I've been, been here since. Uh, started off as assistant city engineer at the city of Corpus Christi, um, doing inspections, working in their construction department and then worked my way up um, to uh, working at Texas A&M System in Corpus Christi, uh, managing some of their projects out there. Then in 2014, had the opportunity to move to Houston and help start the uh, our East Texas region. And from there, we've been building out the Houston region. And like I mentioned, um, last January, so just a little more than a year, um, 
I was uh, promoted to uh, president and COO at AGCN. What got you into construction, Marty? Um, sixth grade, I wanted to be an architect. And um, I wanted to be an architect all the way to college. And then I got into my freshman year of college and realized I had wanted nothing to do with architecture. I didn't want to be sitting behind a, a screen. And um, at the time, my girlfriend was in, in architecture. And she was pulling all kinds of late, late nights, early morning, building these, you know, popsicle stick things. I'm like, man, this, I just, this is not for me. And um, so I quickly transferred out of that and got into construction management. Um, so construction, just, you know, my dad was in construction, uh, just always loved the big trucks, construction equipment. So just always loved the dirt. I definitely you sound like that. my boys. Yeah, that's right. You guys start them early. <laughs> oh, they love it. They like to bring them up to the job site, especially on the crane, and let them watch the crane. And they just, that's the highlight of their, their year when yeah. that happens. Absolutely. Love it. It's actually funny. I mean, talking about you got out of architecture because you're like, screw this. That's kind of my story where I did civil engineering. I got halfway through engineering school and was like, I do not want to be an engineer. Like, I don't want to be cranking numbers out and doing that sort of stuff. And I looked at transferring, but then I realized you could specialize your senior year, and I specialized in construction management. And so, that's well, so, so to finish the story, my first semester was architecture, the second semester was civil engineering, and then my sophomore <laughs> year, I was like, I'm out of both civil engineering and architecture, and that's when I went to construction management. So I did the same thing. I went into civil engineering, and I was like, man, no, I'm still behind a computer screen all day long. I said, I don't want this. So, yeah, got into construction management. So best decision I could make. I'd, I'd be the worst architect because my, my creativity level, like if you draw a house, it's just the square with the triangle <laughs> top and then the square door and two square windows. It's just the, that's perfect. Well, and, and in contrast to you guys, I, I, I went through and got the engineering degree, but then afterwards yeah. figured out, I, you know, this, this isn't really for me. So <laughs> that's how I got into construction management, but hey, it all works out. That's right, for sure. So topic we're really kind of diving in on today, Marty, is uh, yeah. you know, taking control of your career growth and creating your own opportunities. Um, you know, when you kind of came over to AGCM, um, it's a lot smaller company. Uh, we've grown quite a bit since then. Um, kind of what is, you know, if, if this podcast is really kind of for the next generation and really kind of anybody coming up through the industry. And uh, there's a lot of companies out there, a lot of small companies, whether general contractors, subcontractors, owners, reps, like we are, anything. Um, there could be a lot of people who might be discouraged. You know, they may be working for a company they love and a culture they love, but they may be kind of discouraged because there's no seats available, right? Unless the owner of the company retires or something like that, right? So, um, you know, what's a little bit of guidance you could give somebody like that who's, you know, looking to move up, looking to, you know, become a leader in, a, in their company, but there's no seats open for them? Sure. I guess you can, you can go down two avenues. You can go down the small company and then you can go down the larger company. You know, working at Kiwit was 20,000 plus employees versus working at ADCM when I started was 26 employees. You know, the, the small company aspect of it is um, there's much more, I believe, there's much more opportunities to create your future. Um, in in mm -hmm. those situations, there's, there's a lot more, there's a lot, there's a lot more that sometimes a smaller business does not do that having an entrepreneurial spirit, you can bring that to them, whether it's, it's documentation, whether it's some kind of process, some kind of procedure. Um, there's so many opportunities. And one of the best things, advice that I got from one of my professors was in your early in your career, never say no, always say yes. 
Always say yes to go clean the toilet. Always go say yes that you're going to go to this event. Always say yes, because the more present you are, the more face-to-face -face you have, the more you're seen, the more the kind of the upper leadership sees you, right? Kind of going mm -hmm. to the, the larger company at Kiwit, you know, everyone's always afraid you're going to be a number, not a name, right? And I think, again, it's kind of the same thing. You have to, you have to step above. It's not stepping on people. You just have to make yourself be seen and be present and, and whatever that may be in a larger company, some of those larger companies, they have the policies, they have the procedures, but is there a better way of doing things? Is there, is there things that you're gonna volunteer for? Um, you know, I, I think, I think these, these same opportunities lie with both a smaller company and a larger company. Very well said. And Matt, I think we talked about that with Angelo a little bit too, was about the saying yes to things and being open to trying new things, especially if you're uncomfortable. I mean, it grows yourself yeah. as well. Yeah. We do with Shelly, too. I think this is the theme of our whole podcast now. <laughs> there we go. We got it. Absolutely. We finally figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it just kind of nails on that, though, that like, just how important that is. Um, you know, whether you're kind of building a personal brand, maybe online or whatever, like kind of Shelly was talking about, or you're, whether you're doing it, like, within your company, just kind of always, always putting yourself out there, always saying yes, always being available. It goes a long ways for you. Yeah. yeah you know, one thing that with the – a lot of the time management gurus, they talk about saying no. You gotta, you gotta be able to say no. I think that's correct, but I think in the early parts of your career, right, right when you get to that tipping point, you have to be able to say yes. But once you get to that point, I mean, if you're taking on and you're starting to mentor people, leading people, mm -hmm. yes, you have to learn how to say no. Um, and that's always been a hard thing for me to do, but I think you have to be able to focus on yourself. You have to be able to focus on on you being a mentor and being able to lead, that's what's really going to get you there. Very well said. Yeah. And and I, I can just, all, all I can do, Marty, is just keep agreeing with you on that stuff because that, that's kind of what's led me to different opportunities and different things in my career. I mean, like I said, I started out in engineering. I ended up getting into construction management um, just through some networking. And that networking yeah. was from opportunities and different projects that I was sent to that if I hadn't said yes to those projects, it wouldn't have connected A to B and B to C. Yeah. Not so true. Yeah. Very well said. Sorry, guys. I'm fooling with the settings here. The video keeps going in and out. It's choppy for me. Yeah, you're really throwing me off here, man. Yeah, I, I came I, into this I, all I, prepared, I ready to go. <laughs> All right, from the top, let's do this again. Yeah. <laughs> Downside of doing it live. Yes, yeah. Okay. So aside from that, Marty, I mean, um, you know, if you're with the, what are like maybe three actionable things aside from, you know, kind of putting yourself out there that, you know, somebody could do to kind of grow their career? You know, I think three actionable things that you could do. He was wanting um, me to give him questions beforehand. And I, I yeah, and he didn't give me questions beforehand. So now he definitely <laughs> put me on the spot. Love it. Um, I guess one thing is, one I mean, actionable just, thing that, that I like. Well, here, here's, I guess here's a piece that I like. Is, and, I, and I've, it's meant more to me as kind of I've, as kind of I've you know, grown within the company, is I would much rather have someone come to me you can come to me with problems all day long, but if you attach a solution or a thought that you've done something or you've looked into something or researched something into it, that has so much more value to me and to the others in the leadership team. Um, so I think that's something very actionable. If you see something wrong, if you see something that's broke or things, something that could be more efficient, I think it's about not just 
you know, not just throwing the problem out there, but actually bringing a solution, a potential solution to it. Um, is that kind of answer the question of what you're thinking? An actionable step or no? I think I think yes. so. I mean, I can't speak, can't, okay. speak, can't speak for you, Matt, but but to me, that's that, that's a great answer because that also shows a lot of things too. That shows your initiative, that shows that you're you're bought in and that you're you're putting your best effort out there. And it also yeah. kind of goes back to um, you know adding that value and standing out a little bit. And 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 you know also, I mean, God forbid you help your boss on things too, right? <laughs> not, not just bring them problems, but you bring solutions right. and you make some suggestions. And for somebody yeah. in your position, higher you know higher up, that it also helps to understand kind of the thinking and the thought process behind. Mm -hmm. uh, behind the people that are presenting your problems to you, in my opinion. So that's, yeah, sounds good to me. Kyle, you're going to have to I keep losing my audio. Uh -oh. Hey, what else is new? I'm used to it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think something else, you know, that's actionable would be, um, uh, you know, something we started probably really getting into was, was creating job descriptions. We were horrible about having like actual full-blown laid-out job descriptions, and going through them and having you know um, the employee actually going through the job description and seeing what's on there, not just being thrown to them, but actually let's review it together. Let's see if there's um, kind of an exercise I like to do is I like to hand over the job description and say, okay, highlight in green, yellow, and red. Green, what do you think you're doing well? Yellow, that you need some help on and then read what you're not doing well or what you're not having the opportunity to do. And then I'll do the same thing, right? And then when we come together, it's more of a gap analysis. Are we seeing the same things from both perspectives? And I think that's what it does, it creates that conversation you can have, an open conversation. I mean, I think from a supervisor to an employee, you've gotta be able to have those candid, those candid conversations. And that definitely opens the door to do that. Um, and I found that to be very valuable with people that I've worked with in the past, because it, it does just that. It creates that, that conversation that you really want to have, but you're always afraid to have. And then for me, it helps you be self-aware. Like, man, I really thought I was good at something and my boss didn't think I was that great at it. And it really makes you think about it. So then you can put it on your development plan of how to get better. So I think that's, that's a pretty good actionable step as well as kind of taking that. Now, you know, some of the larger companies, that's probably something you're going to have to initiate with your boss, not the other way around. Um, but I think in a smaller company, you might have that opportunity to do that. So um, I think that's another good action step as well. Still there, Matt? You up? I've worked for a few small companies, you know, AGCM and a few others. Sorry, my audio is cutting out on me. <laughs> no worries. But, I mean, AGCM has been awesome with it, but a couple of the other companies, you know, you've really had to sort of take that initiative on your own too and really sit down with your boss and, you know, because almost because the smaller companies, their hair may be on fire because they may be really, you know, filling two or three roles within the company. So um, if you're going to want to, you know, have that conversation, sometimes you just got to take it and run with it. Absolutely. Well, Marty, is there, are there any um, any growing pains or any, any, any stories you'd want to share about just some of the stuff you've gone through or... You know anything anything that you think would be helpful for for kind of these these younger generations as as they are you know implementing some of these some of these steps and some of these ideas yeah i think some of the i mean growing pains um at least some of those growing pains that we've gone through with agcm is you know the growth you know you know when i hired on we were um i was a 26th employee to come on um currently we're at 69 and um with uh, some consultants we're right around 76 employees so we, we've had some pretty good growth 
over the last 15 years. And a lot of that growth has really happened probably in the last six years. Um, so I'd say, you know, for individuals that are coming into a company, a smaller company, is is help. What you possibly can is, is help the collaboration and the communication. Um, I think one thing that we struggled with was, was we grew fast, but we grew in silos. And being able to break down those barriers and break down those sure walls where there's here, communication but, going but, but back and forth and all around, sorry, I think is what is, uh, is definitely I'm turning off the video. Everybody's video? When Kyle has dot, 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 does that mean he's he's there or he's not there? Matt, I don't know if you're talking or... No, we lost Marty, okay. I think. Okay. I'm still here. Oh, good, good. Sorry, okay. Well, nope. <laughs> I was right. going to... I turned I was, off the video so that it, it said it was low data mode and it was too cutting out. Oh, it, it happens, it happens. Can but hear, I was just going to add my two cents in there. Yep, we hear you, Marty. How about you hear us, Marty? I can hear you, yeah. <laughs> I definitely can hear you. The joys again, of live. <laughs> again, we are professionals. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and I'm just going to say that, you know, along the lines of what, where Marty's, Marty's going, as, <laughs> as, 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 as teams are growing, something that I experienced even when I went to work at, um, at Wank here in Minneapolis, um, I think our team was about five or five or six, maybe, maybe a little bit bigger than that. And then well, over the year, year and a half I was there, I think we grew up to about 20, maybe a little more than 20 or so. And there's always those stages of, of a new team that comes together. They say form, storm, norm, perform. And getting through those stages quickly and efficiently, efficiently is what they say is a, a really big key driver to making a successful team. And um, just you know, Marty, to your points about you know coming on board and and um, you know applying how you can help out and, and, and help the team, I think it's just really another really great key point for that. Marty may be gone. So Kyle, as you've you know you you kind of changed careers a couple times. And then all the way, you know, to now owning your own business, um, you know, what are some actionable items you have where, uh, you know, you may have tried to, you know, grow your career through um, really creating your own opportunities and grow your career. Just kind of what are your, some of your takeaways? We've, we've talked about the good ones already. I mean, saying yes to things, being open to new ideas, that, that, that's the biggest one because that, that just opens up doors that you never even thought you would do. I mean, honestly, Matt, this, this podcast thing is something I never even planned to do a year ago. And then you and I talked and you brought it up. It's like, well, why not? Let's give it a shot. Um, so just being open to new, new ideas and um, putting yourself out there. And I think a lot of people know, and it's talked about in the industry a lot, especially in personal growth and professional growth, um, just go ahead and be okay with being comfortable, um, trying new things, um, kind of putting yourself out there a little bit. I mean, within reason, of course, but I mean, because there's, there's certainly a limit, I think, of how far you want to stick your neck out for something that you have no idea what you're doing. Um, but being a little bit uncomfortable, learning and growing from that, is to me a really big driver. And then, you know, also, I, Marty also touched on the communication part. That's huge. Um, helping to make communication better amongst your team and amongst your group. That's also a big a big part of it too. I've, I've had times where we've had some inner team challenges, um, 
communication breakdowns for whatever reason. Maybe it was the client and, and the way they were communicating with the wrong people or how they were doing it. But I've even acted as kind of more or less a mediator, getting involved and stepping in and just helping helping on the relationship side of things too. So, you know, I was looking at it from those different different aspects of how can I help the communication amongst the team. That, that's a big one too, if that answers your question. I think so. I think we got Marty coming back in. He uh, he thought I'm I back. kicked him off. I guess he thought I didn't like his answers. <laughs> <laughs> can you hear? Can you hear me now? But yeah, no, I think too. Just always, always, especially you know, if you're a um, you know, say entry level construction manager coming in, maybe you work for a company, and you know, you may not be getting a lot of uh, you know, a lot of resp responsibility off the start, right? They may just have you filing submittals or writing RFIs or the boring stuff. And so kind of asking for more responsibility, asking for more like, hey, what else can I do? Or just kind of jumping in and, you know, taking taking something off the plate of, uh, you know, the project manager. I that's, think another, all... that's another really good point is, is um, you know, like you're saying there about ask, asking, for, you know, not just asking for help, but like you're saying, asking for more responsibility because, I mean, we all know how busy we get doing our own thing, and sometimes your managers can have trouble exactly seeing what's going on too. I mean, they got several people, if not more, that they're managing. So sometimes you, you have to take the initiative. You got to just go into their office and close the door and say, "Here's what I want to do, and here's how I want to get there, and here's here's where I need you to help." Marty says he can see and hear us. I think he's in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> Well, tell him to call in then. <laughs> Can you do a call in, Marty? For weeks I've been waiting for this to be a train wreck, and I thought it was going to be episode zero. I didn't know it was going to be episode three or four. <laughs> well, again, I mean, we're professionals, so you should, you should expect a lot better if you're tuning into this. I'm uh, about to make this a blooper reel. Say, Can go. you call in? He says, LOL, how? <laughs> <laughs> Who are you rooting for on Sunday, Matt? Um, Kansas City, probably. Yeah. I didn't really have a dog in either hunt, but I got some buddies that, you know, Patrick Cohen went to Texas Tech, and I have some buddies that went to Texas Tech, and they're big tech fans, so. Yeah. They're fun uh, to watch. Oh, they're so fun. And, and, I mean, just like you, I didn't have a, really have any, you know, skin in the game with this one, but I, I'm a definitely Mahomes fan. And, um, I mean, just watching him play through injuries the previous games, just like, all right, if somebody's going to pull this off, it'll be him, and sure enough. Yeah, me and my buddies were joking that, you know, how the whole, you know, it's kind of been a, a, a running Twitter joke as well about how the, how the NFL scripted and stuff. And I kept just saying, yep, here they go. He's going to get hurt at halftime and come back down <laughs> and have an ankle, a heroic ankle, you know, game. And yep. it's going to be his defining moment. Oh, and for, and for anybody that's, that's tuned in listening, we've decided to make our podcast half CM Mentors and half football. Um, so going <laughs> forward, that's a new theme. And we're equally as bad at that. So. <laughs> I would not make it as a sports commentator. Oh, no, not at all. Well, Matt, if you want, I'll kill some time and take a stab at Shane's question here. Yeah, go for it, man. Yeah, yeah. So Shane's asking, um, always been the type to look the work to the talking. Um, however, going to a few different companies, there's some obvious challenges not being the most outspoken person. So what have we dealt with and, and, and how have we done done some things to address that, so to speak? And I guess, you know, my answer to that, Shane, would be, you know, I'm actually 
pretty similar in a lot of in a lot of ways that I like to do my job. I, I prefer to be the guy in the meeting that's sitting back and and listening more than than speaking. Um, to me, that allows me to kind of see the, what's going on in the room, kind of read the body language, read how people are reacting to certain things. And, you know, sometimes that tells you a lot about the different uh, different subtleties of what's happening in the project and the people that's, you know, that's taking place there. So, so to me personally, I don't have an issue with being the one that's the most quiet. Now, there are definitely some some things that come up and some challenges when you're not outspoken. Generally, the people that are, that are louder I mean, for that simple fact, they, they get heard more. And so, you know, they could be the first that might get opportunities that, that you're looking for. And so that's where I would just challenge that you got to step outside of the comfort zone a little bit. And it could be it could be one-on-one -on -one conversations too, though. It could be because sometimes when I mean, you're in a meeting, for example, um, maybe it's not the most appropriate time to bring up a certain issue, especially if it's around somebody, you know, where you're going to challenge that person and put them on the defensive. That's more of an appropriate office or one-on-one -on -one conversation, I would say. So, so to me, there's a couple of different ways. I mean, you speak up during 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 a meeting, interview, whatever it is, or you you do it that that one-on-one, -on -one, that more personal touch too, that more more um, you know that level that kind of allows you to have a more more you know, intimate. Not the right word, but let's 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 use intimate, more intimate conversation. So, what do you think, Matt? Yeah, I think I think maybe Shane's questions, you know, about trying to grow your career and like, you know, letting your work do the talking and maybe less of, you know, not being maybe not like, you know, you know, talking yourself up necessarily, right? Um, I've definitely, I guess, been victim to the same thing as well, where I, you know, I sit back and think like, you know, I've I've worked with three different companies in my career, and I've definitely seen where if you don't speak up and kind of promote yourself a little bit, you know, and it, you know, let your work do the talking. Cause I've always been the same way as well. Like generally speaking, most people aren't really paying that much attention to you bluntly, right? They've, they're thinking about themselves. And I mean, they have to, they have to think about their job. They think about their career and all those sort of things. Um, so you definitely, I think need to speak up and at least show or describe or tell that, you know, you're wanting to take on some more leadership. You're wanting to uh, take on a higher, you know, a uh, bit of responsibility, and so I do think you've got to you do got to speak up and be your, your best your own best advocate. Yeah, well, and and to that point too, Matt, I, I think that's probably something that that managers and stuff look for as well is um, if you're going to take that that potentially next role, whatever it could be, and at some point maybe you start managing people, or at some point you're a you know you're a, um, a subject matter expert or whatever whatever that looks like, you kind of have to get more. Um, a little more outspoken, I would say, um, in some of those situations. I was thinking about that earlier when we were talking about stuff, and um, you know, when I was talking about you know taking on more responsibility. If you're just doing, you know, if you're as a quote just doing RFIs and submittals, which kind of an entry level project manager might be doing, to really kind of put yourself out there, you know, talk to your uh, project manager. Maybe start leading the meetings. You know, if you're a general contractor, maybe start leading the OAC meeting, or if you're a you know, subcontractor, maybe start leading your uh, staff meetings, your internal, you know, whether it be daily huddle, weekly huddle, whatever you guys are doing, you know, with the trades guys, just kind of really start working towards more of a leadership and more taking more responsibility. And people start, just start standing out. People start noticing. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely do. Well, and, and, and for somebody that, um, you know, I have people, people working for me, it's that I definitely notice that when, when they take on more than I've asked them to do. Um, or, or when they, 
and then they volunteer to do something like that too. That's really not necessarily what, what their job description is, but either, either it helps me out or just gives them the opportunity to grow. Um, I mean, that's something that, that you know, good managers do when they're trying to find the opportunities for anybody, you know, for some, someone to grow, um, someone who's one of their, um, you know, one of their other employees that they're supposed to be in charge of. And so seeing that kind of initiative is also something that really makes most people stand out. In my so Kyle, as a business owner, I mean, you got some employees. What is, aside from, you know, kind of raising your hand and volunteering and saying yes, what's another kind of maybe un, uncommon thing somebody can do to kind of really stand out and kind of get ahead or maybe work towards the next promotion? I think one of the best things, and this is something that I had a former boss say to me, um, is, is in regards to trying to plan um, a few steps ahead, but maybe of what your your boss or your manager is thinking. Um, and you know, this could apply to a lot of different topics, so it's kind of hard to talk, talk to a very specific one in this case. But let's just talk in general. Um, if you have something that you're working on with your manager project or you know, whatever it is, and if you can anticipate what the needs are going to be for maybe the next step, or even one that's that's far down the road, um, that's something that really stands out. It's it, it's um, it's kind of thinking about the job that you want to have in the future. Maybe it's not your current role, but like thinking how your manager would think that kind of a thing. Um, trying to anticipate what some of those needs could be, and then even if you don't know how to necessarily get to that point, at least expressing that you know what's coming up in the future. That it's a is a big a, a big uh, a good thing, I guess I should say. Yeah, I, I kind of wrote about it when I on LinkedIn. I did those 22 hacks series, 22 hacks for, I forget what I called it, 22 hacks for uh, the younger generation of construction professionals or whatever I called it. Yeah. But one of them was, and this is something that actually a, a colleague of mine said he knew when the assistant PM was ready to become a project manager, when they could create their own to-do list. Mm -hmm. And at first, when we first said that, I was thinking like, man, that's such a, like, create your own to-do list, that's easy. But I got to thinking about it, it's like, it's not just like creating a to-do list, like I have to go answer these emails. It's actually thinking steps ahead and really thinking through the process, like the entire construction management process, right? Or the construction process of saying, okay, well, first we have to do this and then we have to do this. And then I need to call them because I need to make sure that they're doing this. And really, you really, when you can create that level of to-do list, you really understand the whole process. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's almost like you're taking, I would say, our skills that we're learning and developing as construction managers and you're applying it to, you know, to your own career, if you will, right? Because we're always looking forward as construction managers. Our job is to plan ahead. I mean, we're, mm -hmm. we're, if, we're, if we're only firefighting, working on today's problems, we're not really doing our job, in my opinion. We need to be looking at next week, looking at our three-week look-aheads, looking at our, our phase and our milestone plans and, you know, look at what's coming up so that we can anticipate the problems. And so to me, take that and apply it towards your career path and your, you know, the growth that you want to see. Easier said than done, but. Way easier said than done. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I mean, uh, just another, actually kind of going with that, another, along with your to-do list, something else that's really helped me be successful is creating a follow-up list. And what that means is, you know, so many times you send an email to somebody or you, Phone, you give them a phone call and say, hey, I need you to do this, right? And they say, okay, yeah, I'll get, get it to you. And I'll get it to you tomorrow. Well, tomorrow comes and goes and next week comes and goes. Next thing you know, three weeks comes and goes. And you kind of drop the ball because 
they were supposed to do that for you, right? And yeah. um, they dropped the ball, but it really kind of makes the whole team look bad. So creating a to-do list, but then also creating that follow-up list to kind of keep making sure the other people like on the project team as a project manager, making sure everybody's hitting their deliverables and um, kind of chipping in to what you're doing. Yeah. No, that's another great point. And I, just on a tangent for a second here, that reminds me of like somebody who might be transitioning to more of a sales or a BDE role at some point. That's almost like working with a with a CRM or a customer relationship manager, um, where you know you're, you're developing your leads and your opportunities. You're putting them into the CRM tool to help you track and keep keep an eye on those opportunities and leads. And it also reminds you and says, "Hey, you haven't talked to this person in 14 days. You're, you know, you're, this lead's getting cold. You better." ping them again and ask if there's if there's a need here for you know upcoming, upcoming jobs and 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 funny thing is what i keep finding i swear is that it's just a matter of asking the right person at the right time and yeah. just being there when that when that door gets unlocked that now you can open it and be the one to open that door that, that's that's huge with that um and end of tangent <laughs> <laughs> that was a good tangent <laughs> Um, so, any other caller questions? Yeah, I'd love to hear it. I'd love to hear some more. I'd invite somebody to call in, but I'm afraid they're going to break the system. <laughs> uh, Marty's frustrated. He keeps texting me. Uh, it happens. Not a big deal. It was a, it was a great first start. So we'll, have, we'll just have to do it again. Okay. Yeah. Have him back on and record it and do the, uh, the second half. And I guess next time we can do football the first half. We can do CMS. <laughs> so let's see, Matt. Career growth. What else you got here? Let's just, let's just start going with it. Yeah, so, you know, um, I think, too, providing more value to the company. Really, I'm just thinking of ways, you know, that I've seen in my career that, you know, help people stand out, especially in a smaller company. Um, a bigger company may be a little, a little diff more difficult, um, but I'm not saying it's not doable. Um, but, you know, I just mean by creating more value, like maybe – coming up with a, you know, another um, product line or another, uh, Marty's trying again. <laughs> you know, maybe, you know, I know Marty too. One, one of the ways I'll kind of tell his story is, um, you know, we were a fairly small company back when he started. He said like 26 employees, but we were trying to expand offices. So from being in Corpus Christi, uh, we had one guy move to Houston to start up the Houston branch, and basically he was a business development guy, and so they needed somebody to go manage the projects. So Marty put his hand up, and so he moved to Houston and helped build up the Houston region. And so by doing that, you know, he became the VP of the Houston office over time as it grew, right? And then once he grew to the point of needing a VP, he became the VP. Um, so he kind of created that own career growth for himself. Yeah, that's fantastic, and especially as a company's as a company's growing too, they're they're experiencing different growth pains because for a company to for a company to go and, and of course I'm not the expert. This is what I've read a lot about. For companies to go from zero to five employees is a lot different than let's say five to ten or maybe ten to twenty, twenty to fifty, whatever that is. I mean, every company is probably going to be a little bit different for those numbers, and you know, not just employees but revenue as well. But it's just generalizing here. For companies going from different stages of growth, they may may not even necessarily know what they need, 
Mm -hmm. um, it could be a unique position that's not a formal C-suite executive position, or maybe it's not a high project manager, maybe it's a hybrid. Maybe it's a project management, business development, construction man. Who knows what it could be? So I think to your point, Matt, looking out for those different opportunities and, um, and kind of getting creative can help sometimes too, because like I said, maybe the managers don't really know what they need. I, I own a business, I'm gonna tell you right now, I don't know what I need a year from now, per se. <laughs> Hopefully I got somebody that can come in and help me figure that out. I think too, I mean, in that, you know, putting people around you that are smarter than you, right? You always oh, hear yeah. that, but it's so oh, true. Yeah. Uh, Shane has another question. I'll ask this to you first, Kyle, and then I'll okay. I got my own answer, but it says, how would you best describe the difference in expectations and skill sets required from CM to PM to director slash vice president? So I guess as you're progressing in your yeah. career. Sure, sure. So I, I guess kind of the way that I would say I've seen it, and at least I can just speak for, for what, what I've kind of gone through my experience is really one of the big changes from CM to PM is the level that you're looking at the project. Um, as, the, as the CM, of course, you're looking at everything construction. You're looking at all the, you know, all the all the budgets, the RFIs, the course, the day-to-day -day construction coordination, managing all of that. When you get to the PM side, you, you're a little more concerned now on the value to the company and maintaining profitability, making sure that the CM has the resources he needs. Um, and so to me, that's a big difference there is you're kind of stepping a little bit less into just your role. You're starting to think more about the company from the company's perspective and how does the company, the company has, has to make money just to grow and to stay in business. That's just, that's just how it works. So kind of changing that hat around a little bit to start more thinking about from the company side, from, from the owner of the company's side, the uh, accounting department, whatever, you know, how are they gonna look at this and how do my decisions really impact what the company needs? Now, getting from there now to, I would say, director VP level, now you're probably getting a little more removed out of the projects themselves. Uh, you know, many projects you're working on. As a PM, you, you probably work on multiple projects too. But to the director VP level, now it's more strategy focused. It's more, this company has our five-year growth plan, 10-year growth plan. We have all these different numbers and metrics we have to hit because the board of directors is, you know, has certain requirements and things that they need. So now you're thinking more along the lines of higher level strategy. Do we have the right PMs for the right projects? And then you know, the PMs, do we have the right CMs? So it's almost like you're just you're going, you're going up that ladder. And as you go up that ladder, you're, you're getting more and more, I would say, more company, more, more higher level strategy strategy um, focus. What do you think, Matt? Matt, I think you nailed it, um, kind of working from the top back down, but you know, when you get to the director of VP, you always hear the phrase working on the business and not in the business. Um, and that's kind of always stuck with me. When you get to there, I mean, you're really, again, trying to you know, figure out how to grow the business, but you're also trying to, you really, you become responsible for the people more, right? And so you really got to learn how to develop your people, support your people, give people what they need to grow and to be the best they can so the company can be the best they can. That's kind of what I really see the, the biggest responsibility of a director VP is, is to really take care of the people, um, work them down, you know, so as you go from PM to that, but as you go from CM up to PM, you know, a construction manager, you're really learning or assistant PM or project engineer or whatever you call it and whatever or your organization calls that, but I'm thinking, you know, assistant PM, project engineer, fresh out of school, uh, you're really learning. You don't, you don't learn how construction management works in school, even if you have a full uh, construction management degree. You ought to learn so much in the field, in, on the job training. So you're really just trying to learn the processes. 
you're trying to learn your company processes, but you're trying to learn how the, the trades interact with the project manager or the uh, general contractor, how the general contractor interacts with the owner, how the everybody interacts with the architect and the engineers and all these relationships and how the process works. And not only that, but how do you build a building? How does it really come together? You know, what are the, what are the sequences? What are the phases? How does, you know, you're learning the technical parts of literally how, what is no hub, no hub pipe and how does it come together? All these sort of things. Um, Cause you'll be responsible for quality assurance. And, you know, uh, I mean, you, you can't really write a good RFI or process of submittal unless you know the actual construction science bits of it. So as a CEM, you're really learning the nuts and the bolts, the, you know, block and tackle type things, how it all really works. And then again, a project manager, you've got, you've really developed a, a understanding of the process of how the project comes together. And then you're sort of an orchestra uh, director, right? You're trying to make sure all the pieces are in place. Everyone's kind of, you're making sure everyone's doing their job. You're making sure you got your follow-up list. And you know, if the architect's not getting back to you with an answer, then you're answering that for, you know, making sure you're pinging them and getting that stuff going and uh, those sort of things. So. And, and, that, and that, that's a great way to put it too, Matt. Is it's, it's almost like you're um, at each step, your your responsibilities, your what you're being held to um, to succeed, and what you have to accomplish. It, it just it, it changes a little bit as you go higher up the chain, up to PM, up to the director level. You're getting more focused on how do you have the right people, the right resources, and then you keep going up that ladder, and you start th really thinking about okay now. Now at this higher level here, I'm getting less away from the nuts and bolts, like you're saying, and I'm getting more focused on, okay, um, how do we get the toolbox that has the right nuts and bolts in it? And then get it, get it, get a little level higher than that. Do we have the right vehicle to get the toolbox? I mean, there's a thousand different analogies and different metaphors you could use, but yeah, it's, right. it's almost, it's just, uh, that's, that's really good. Angela will be proud on, on, on you for that with, with, the, with, with, the, with the human, <laughs> human side of connection, the construction. That's good. I, uh, Man, ever since that conversation with Angelo, I mean, those were, I, I already shared all those thoughts and stuff. And like, I went through a leadership program at, with, through AGCM and it, it was awesome. And it really drilled that into you. Um, and it really kind of the, took that out of you and made you really understand what leadership is. And uh, man, but that conversation with Angelo was awesome. A really just kind of how the buildings support the communities. And they, you know, it was just such a cool conversation. Yes. Marty, you you there? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Looks like he's here. I'm here. Can you hear me? Yay! All right. Oh my gosh. I can't. I'm not, gonna say it's gonna, I'm not gonna say it's gonna last long. I can hear you guys all day long. You just can't hear me. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, Kyle, Marty texted me. I don't know what's going on, but his power went out. His internet's out. <laughs> well, of course it is. <laughs> and I, I, I just should have stayed at the, at the office. I oh, good fun. To do this. <laughs> so. Marty, just jump right back in. How would you, uh, Shane has a question. How would you best describe the difference in expectations and skill sets required basically as you move up from like a construction manager to a PM up to a director, vice president, kind of into a, kind of maybe an executive role? What's the question? How to best do that? Or what's kind of the differences and expectations and maybe your skill sets as you like ascend? Um, well, for me, I heard you guys talking about leadership and I couldn't chime in, but uh, to me is, is understanding leadership. Um, being self-aware, um, I think is huge. You, you need to be vulnerable. You can't be afraid to ask for help. I think that's what starts to differentiate you from 
from an employee, from a manager to a true leader. Um, you really have to stop thinking about yourself and start thinking about everyone else um, and, and doing more of the giving versus the taking. Um, I think that's a, that's a big mindset shift that has to happen. Um, but I think that's, that's kind of the big thing that I would say. Getting from those, going from a, from a lower tier rank, kind of working your way up. You just have to start thinking about others. How are you going to mentor other people? How are you going to put um, the right people on the bus? As Jim Collins says, you got to put the right people on the bus. You got to put them around you um, because ultimately um, that's who's going to make you successful. Everyone around you is what makes you successful. I could talk about this for another 20 minutes, but I'll just say really quickly, my, Marty, you're spot on. And I mean, it, 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 I like to think about it like the team effort. Um, you know, the, the, the coach wins the game, but he gives the credit to the players. I mean, we saw we saw yesterday, right? Um, they, they were given the given the trophy out, and the coach is pulling yeah. Mahomes over, and uh, uh, that's that, that's what it's got to be. I mean, we all need our support networks. We we can't do it alone. Um, right. We can only go so far alone. You, you need those people around you to le le leverage those different skills and those different strengths and understand the weaknesses. Uh, well said. Yeah. A little bit of a tangent. It was a thought I had a while back, but like, it was a shower thought. I think it was literally like in the shower, and I had this thought. But uh, sorry for that visual. Um, <laughs> do, you have, do you have a whiteboard in the shower so you can write down your ideas? <laughs> no, but I need to get oh, a waterproof case for my phone because I need to like I get the good I get great ideas, and I need to be able to like input them into my notes on my phone. That's right. It's always in the shower. Uh, anyway, so uh, where was I? Oh, no. So a construction project, this is like a microcosm of on a construction project, but it's more of a escape room. Um, so what I mean by that is like everyone thinks like a you know construction project, like you got winners and losers, right? This it's a battle, right? But no, it's like if you look, take a step back and look at an actual construction project, it's more of an escape room because there's, there's only like if one person wins, you know, there's not one person that wins and everybody loses type thing. It's not a net zero. So it's like basically the whole project team has to come together. You have to rely on everybody's weak skills and weaknesses to figure out this clue and figure out that clue and put it all pieces together to, to build something. And really it's like either the entire project team successful or the whole project team fights and bickers and sues each other and it's a losing experience for everybody. Yeah, that's 100% right, Matt. And you know, something for me, part of the reason I got into doing construction management and doing what I do is that I wanted to build something. I wanted to be a part of of good things happening and people working together and not just pointing fingers at each other. Yeah. Um, and that's something that's been super valuable. And, and, you know, and to Marty's point too, about, um, you know, developing that, you know, that team and having that, that, that mindset shift is, um, you know, for me personally, seeing, seeing my staff grow and seeing them do things that I, uh, have been wanting to see and, and watching them progress is, is way more, um, way more important to me and it's way more uh, uh, rewarding than anything that I accomplish on my own. Yeah. And Kyle, I guess just a question. Actually, you know, um, sorry, Matt, real quick for, for Kyle. Do you look at your team as a team, like a sports team or as a family? Mm, interesting question. Um, very good question. Um, I, I guess I look I, I look at it as more of a team. Um, 
in, in my opinion, and partly because I believe everybody has a little bit different positions they play and a little bit different things that they have to do to move the ball around the, around the, around the court, if you will, but yep. it still takes that effort from everybody. And that ball can get dropped, and at the same time, if there's not a good coach, the sidelines that's helping direct the team and helping, and now going back to our conversation with Alex, Matt, um, doing that, that practice off the field, that's where it all comes together too. Is you start executing these projects, you start executing your actual jobs, and do you know what to do? Has it been trained into you? And then, um, you know, kind of applying that all. Like I said, it, it to me is what makes makes it makes a solid team. How about you, Marty? What do you think? It's always been a struggle for me. I mean, you know, with AGCM, you know, our culture is is employees first, family focused, and. We always look. We always look as our as our internal people and internal uh, employees as part of our family. Um, I, I can't remember what podcast I was listening to something, and they started breaking down the difference between, you know, the, looking at your your company or your employees as a family, or looking at them as a team. And the way they explained kind of the family was the personnel versus objective. So if you have a family approach, you will always sacrifice the objective for the people, right? The people are first. If you're the team, like a sports team, it's always the objective over the personal. So you will always sacrifice the people for ultimately the goal or the objective. And I think, I think you have both. I don't think you can have one or the other. I think you have to have both of them. Um, as Matt knows, you know, we're trying to change AGCM and kind of transform into a performance culture. And that is part of, you know, the performance culture is really driving the, the goals and the betterment of not just the company, but betterment of the people. And if we all could be better, we'll all be better together. And then ultimately we'll be a great company. Um, so I think you got, you have to kind of balance it, right? Cause you, you've got to have the family aspect, but then you also have to operate as a team as well. So. Not, not really a, a black or white answer, but I think you have to mesh the two in certain situations, I think. Makes a lot of sense, yeah. There was a real good uh, Harvard Business Review article, I think it was Harvard Business Review, that basically said, stop looking, I think that it was kind of a, a uh, clickbaity headline maybe, but it was like, stop looking at your company as a family and look at them as a championship sports team. And it, you know, it touched on a lot of those things. And yeah. um, I don't know if it's from that article or not, but a big thing to me is, you know, a company, everyone has a role, right? You look at a football team and some people, they just block, right? They're not gonna be the quarterback. They're not gonna carry the ball. They're not going to, you know, score the touchdown, get all the glory, but they have such an important job to do as a blocker. And you've got the receivers and their job is to catch the ball, right? So everybody has their role in their job. And sometimes you switch in and switch out and those sort of things, you've gotta be, multi-talented to be able to do that but at the same time you support each other but you've still got your role in your job and so all those pieces have to come together to be successful totally agree. yeah i'm pretty sure i'd seen the same article matt sorry go ahead marty no no i, I was just agreeing with matt um that it's it's so true the one thing i was as you know we're an owner's rep firm and uh, call you as well I think I told this to Marty a while back, like I had another shower thought where I was like, man, like we don't do anything. And I, I think I told him Marty, he's like, what? And I was like, well, we, we, we said that. <laughs> like, we, like, we don't, we're not building the building, right? We don't have people out there swinging hammers. 
We're not drawing the drawings. You know, we're not the architect. Uh, I said, like, we're not doing anything, but we, we have such an important role of leadership and making sure all the pieces are coming together. And that's way harder <laughs> than building the building at sometimes, right? Providing that leadership. Um, because everyone works for, no one really works for us, right? They all work for the owner. We work for the owner. So we have a lot of responsibility and none of the authority. And so even, you know, this is a tangent here, but you know, we're talking about as, you know, leadership and how important it is. It's our whole role as a company, our whole role as the owner's rep industry is really to provide leadership on these projects. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that, Matt. And I like, I like to think of it that we get paid to think. I mean, like you're saying, we don't, I don't turn the wrenches. I don't stand up the walls. I don't pour the concrete, install the, the plumbing. I don't do any of that with my hands on sites anymore. Um, but I do get paid to think about those things. And I get paid to, to take that role of uh, being that owner's rep and understanding um, you know, that, that's where our role is different, of course, is we're not, we're not the GC and we're focused on getting this building built. We're the owner's rep or we need the building built because as you know, my owner has equipment coming in in three months and there's steps A through F that need to happen for that to take place. Otherwise, now my owner gets charged with stocking fees from the vendors and then there's all kinds of coordination issues. So. Our, our role is just different with, with what we're thinking about, what we're worried about. I mean, that's that's the whole point of it, right? Is we're there to represent the owner. We're there to understand their side of things, not just the construction side of things, and then offer our input, offer our expertise, um, you know, on their behalf, but but to them. Mm -hmm. So, Marty, since you're back, you missed the question Shane had earlier. Um, okay. He said. As I've always been, he says, as I've always been the type to let my work do the talking. However, going to a different, a few different companies, I noticed the challenges of not being a, uh, being the most outspoken person. Have you guys dealt with that? And what did you do to be more seen, so to speak? So I think what he's asking is, you know, if you're a, if you're a type of person, right? Like you just let all your work do the talking, but you're not maybe self-promoting yourself. Um, you can definitely get left behind. Absolutely. And I hate to say that, or I hate to agree with him. I mean, but that's so true. And I think it's part of what kind of Kyle was talking about early on is you've got to get out of your comfort zone, right? You have to do things and you have to force yourself uh, to do things that are uncomfortable to get out of that comfort zone. Um, I mean, just within AGCM, you know, we have some of those individuals that are, that may not be, you know, they're not the squeaky wheel, so they're not getting the grease, we'll just say. And, but, you know, from a technical standpoint, or they may be doing, you know, a phenomenal job, but they're getting overseen or they're maybe being overlooked just because they may not be speaking up or they may not be making themselves present. They may not be putting themselves in the situations where they can have some conversations with individuals that may, uh, you know, catch someone's eye. Um, and even though it may be uncomfortable, if, you know, if, if you're an introvert and you're trying to be an extrovert, you know, it sometimes just might have to happen. I mean, I hate saying it, but I mean, there's politics in everything. Everything we do, there's politics. Um, and, you know, mm -hmm. I don't like to call it politics, but it's influence, right? I mean, there are people that you can have as your influencers. You can be an influencer um, and you can be one that's being influenced. Um, so I think you got to think of it from that perspective is, is how are you as an individual, are you influencing other people? Do you have a set of influencers that could kind of do the influencing for you? 
And then you need to understand who is the people or who are the individuals that have to be influenced that can make those decisions. That may sound like a convoluted mess, but I, it's all about influence, which is leadership. Um, but it really just comes down to kind of the, the politics of, 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 our, of our day and age. I mean, there's politics and everything. What a great point. And I just want to add really quick onto that, Marty. And one of my big things is perception, because I've learned that one the hard way many times. You can do the best job you want, but if nobody sees it, it's not going to get you anywhere. You have to get yeah. that, get people to see what you're working on, get that perception that, that shows that you are, in fact, you know, the A player that, that, you're, that you're trying to be. And, and it's, and it's, it's being, doing it in a humble way. So it's not, it's not, a, it's not, you know, you don't want to be yeah. bragging yeah. about it, right? You want to, you want to do it in a humble way. I mean, that's, that's, you have to find that happy medium for sure. Exactly. That's the tricky part because, you know, everybody hates that word politics, right? It's just got such a negative connotation. I think just probably because it has been a negative thing for so long. But, Marty, how can somebody do that in a positive way without, you know, without being the, you know, the suck up or without, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's a, there's a way to do it. There's a way to communicate it. There's a tone to do it. Um, obviously, you're never wanting to throw anybody else under the bus. But I go back to the very, very beginning. What I was saying is it's if there's. If you see something that could be done better, don't just talk about it or just don't bring up the idea or bring up the, the issue, come mm -hmm. with a solution, right? Because I think in our positions, as, as, yeah. you, as you hear those things, um, I, at least for me, I catch on to a lot of things. Wow, okay, if someone has brought an idea to me or brought, you know, has an entrepreneurial spirit, has brought something to me and has a plan laid out, yeah, sure, for that individual, it may take some extra hours, it may take some hours outside of the 40 hours of the work week, but that to me, now I'm catching on to that person or I'm seeing them, I'm noticing them, right? So I think it's, um, you gotta put that extra effort in. And I know Kyle mentioned earlier too about value. You have to be able, just like we do as owner's reps, we have to show our value to the clients, whether you like it or not. I think that's in a small business and a large business as well. You have to be able to provide and show your value. And how you do that is, you know, different many ways to do that. Well said. Anybody in the audience left after the train wreck have any other questions for us? <laughs> I apologize for the train wreck. I don't I mean my internet went out. I've been on my my hotspot, two different hotspots to try to get back on, and I don't know. My power went out. That's terrible. Of course, the only day I got to do something live, this is what happened. It's you got a you got a weather balloon floating over your house or something? <laughs> I'm not. It's not the balloons. <laughs> it's definitely not a Wi-Fi weather balloon. That's for sure. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was and got shot down. That's the problem. <laughs> exactly. So while we wrap up, Marty, uh, we kind of this was a chopped up episode. But is there any other tips or feedback or anything you can give for people? You know really kind of entry level, maybe mid-level, really trying to grow their career, kind of stand out, um, kind of create their own opportunities? Yeah, you know, I think- Any party you know, shots? It's just, yeah, I think it's just part of of, of creating your own path. You, you have to create your destiny. Um, you just can't do what you're, you're hired to do. I think you really need to think about what are the other things you can bring to the company, to the organization? How do you get involved with the community? How do you make yourself present um, early on in your career? You know, don't say no, but say yes. Uh, if you're invited to 
an event that's on Saturday night, say yes to it. You don't know who's going to be there. You don't know what individuals you may see, what table you may sit at. Um, that, that gives you that presence that you're looking mm -hmm. for. So I'd say early career, you say yes, never say no. Um, uh, and then you just need to be thinking past what your job description says. Maybe you want to see what the job description, the next step is, or what is that ladder? What's the next step beyond where you're at right now? So, so you can start working on those things or training yourself. And most important, you have to talk to your supervisor. You have to talk to your boss. You have to talk to, to your leader or your mentor and emphasize to them what you want. Because sometimes they don't know what you want. They can't, they're not a mind reader. They need to be told. And I'm guilty of that. I needed to be told some things in the past to really see something. So I just think you can't be shy and you, you must want to speak up. Some great points there. Great stuff. So you, you touched on, you know, if you go to the Saturday night event, right, and you don't know who you're going to sit with. And, I mean, you may go and you may end up sitting with the president of the company. And all of a sudden you got, the, if you're in a larger company, right, and maybe sure. you, you don't get that FaceTime with them. But having that, you may go and you may have a great evening with them. When all of a sudden you're standing out. And I know it's something me and you have talked about a lot, Marty. And I think yeah. I actually got this from Sahil Bloom. If you don't follow him, go find him on Twitter. He's awesome. But the Lux Surface area and how just the more you say yes, the more you put yourself out there, you're kind of creating this Lux Surface area where – something may stick right you may go to the saturday night thing and the owner of the company's there then you're having a conversation and then something you know say oh man you'd be great to have this promotion or you, you never know what's going to happen right but you're increasing right. that luck surface area yeah cool. that's right if you want momentum you have to create it yourself that's a, that's a quote that i stole from a book recently take it to heart i yeah, love that good point yeah oh well, everybody, I guess we'll we'll wrap up there. So, Marty, I appreciate you. Uh, I don't know what you had to do. Went and rewired your, rewired your router or something to rejoin us. So. Yeah, I apologize. Um, <laughs> it's Murphy's Law. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And, uh, I, of course, it's the day that, you know, something yep. was live. So, I apologize. All good, man. It was fun. It was so fun, Marty. Good talking with you. We'll, we'll do it yeah. again. I appreciate it. Nice to meet you, pal. Thanks, Matt. We'll have we'll have you back on whenever you make sure you have a good hardwired internet. Yes, please do. Be great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, audience. Thank for participating. That was fun. Yeah. Thanks a lot, guys. <laughs>